Dong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 74th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for December 1981, progs 241 to 244. This week, Matt Talon gets revenge, Ace Trucking gets jacked, Nemesis gets stabbed, Rogue Trooper gets laid out, and Judge Dredd gets his man. But at what cost? Ooh. Yeah. <clears throat> Final month of 1981, buddy. Oh my gosh. It's been uh, a pretty great year on reflection. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a fun, fun-ass year. Real consistent. Just, you know, we sort of had the first half of the year with... um like Strontium Dog and uh, Return to Armageddon and Meltdown Man. And we got the second yeah. half with like Rogue and Nemesis and Ace Trucking. And it's real fun. Yeah, we cleaned up some timelines, started getting into a regular cadence. Uh, Matt Talon's a murder guy. Let's, let's talk about it. Man, that Matt Talon. I got like serious opinions about this guy <laughs> and his decisions based on his murdering stat. Okay, first of all... <laughs> Speaking of ace trucking, through one ace trucking. Hooray! That's a solid, solid transition. Okay. He, I, I mean, we're nothing if not nailing it here <laughs> on Space Spinner Too Fast. <laughs> Always and forever. So, script robots John Wagner and Alan Grant as Grant Grover. Art robots Ian Gibson and Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting robot Tony Jacob. This comic is totally unclean, or rather it would be if it was in the clutches of these weird, gross aliens. Yeah, I'd say it's totally clean, just in the uh, Max Normal sense of being excellent. Uh, oh, yeah. The Ace, truck, yeah, the Ace Trucking team, along with Explorer Ignace Legoo, have uh, <laughs> been... I don't know how to pronounce that. It's got an uppercase <laughs> O right in the middle. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's been taken captive by a bunch of yeah, primitives that live in the ass end of the Hell's Pocket black hole. <laughs> that's the that's the relative. That's the correct term for the end of black holes. Yeah, yeah, the ass end. <laughs> so they take the uh, the truckers uh, uh, captive and they take them to their leader, who quickly declares them unclean and then sentences them to death. And, and what better way to die than stick their heads on spikes? Yeah, well, you know, there's a whole line of, like, impaled corpses leading the way into the city. And it looks like those have just all been the various spaceship guys that have landed on this planet over the years and then been executed in, in turn. You know, seems particularly unclean. Like, that's not sanitary. Just having bodies rot around your houses. Anyway. I mean, it's outdoors, you know? That's <laughs> Put them fair. on the road. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Anyhow, the guys are in trouble, and that means that it's time for plan B. Chug it! Just beat the hell out of everything. Yeah, the boys try to fight their way out. Only GBH makes any progress. Everybody else gets one panel. Not even a fighting panel, just an instant beaten up panel. Just a billy club panel. Yeah. But GBH managed to get manages to get out of there. He busts through a wall and falls out the side of the palace into the moat below. And it's and he's assumed dead, though Ace is pretty confident he's okay, and that's well deserved because next he's already see, dead. How can he yeah, die again? Exactly. Next, we see GBH pulling himself out of the river and heading out to the ship. His glorious hair all wet and beaten down, which is really the saddest part. 
But immediately, once he's back on the ship, it's beautiful and exploding. I like to think that, you know, it was refreshed when he went through, like, the ship's airlock or something like that. Oh, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it blow dries you on entry. Totally, yeah. So he grabs a ton of weapons from the Speedo Ghost's uh, shit hold, and he's about to head out. But, you know, honestly, one guy can't take down a whole si- a whole city. Come on. Uh, luckily, oh, so Go- says their computer. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, Ghost, the ship's computer, has a plan. So, as the sacrifice of Ace and the rest get closer, GBH sets Ghost's plan into action. He sets a fi- he sets fire to a huge shipment of vintage Mac Mac. No, very sad. No. We got to make sacrifices, buddy. <laughs> Sending it's very sad. Sending its intoxicating vapors into the alien city of Yag, <laughs> which it like. Go, like whoever is like the the progenitor of Mac Mac, like you set it on fire and it just makes <laughs> a vaporous. Yeah, it just makes booze smoke. Of alcohol. Oh, I think that's awesome, so, man. Regular yeah. booze just set it on fire, just like burns blue. You know, talk about Mac Mac is Mac magical. Yeah, you 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 can't even cook with Mac Mac; it retains its alcoholic pro- <laughs> uh, uh, properties. Uh. This food will get you drunk. Yeah. As the natives breathe the vapor and they begin to party under its influence. <laughs> um, this is after Feek, of course, manages to dodge being executed because he's got a skeletal bone structure that makes him real hard to impale. Oh, um, God, he just latches on to one of the spikes with his toes and is just like, hey, you can't yeah. impale me. I'm really cool. <laughs> As the all the troops are sort of super uh, uh, drunk out of their gourd, sort of History of the World Part 1 style. Um, yeah. Ace and Co. slip away, though soon afterwards, they too fall under the influences of this dope-ass party cloud. <laughs> oh, man, the best part, though, is like, so they're all getting drunk, they're watching them run away, and they're like, oh, that's so funny, and the leader's like, yeah, they're they're getting away. That's so weird. And and look at me make a an observation. The guy behind him is like, that's hilarious. Smacks their leader on the back, which then sends him plummeting into a spike. <laughs> Through the party mist comes oh my GBH in a gas mask. I just like how the cloud of Mac Mac. Yeah, either History World Part One or like one of those points. In like Caddyshack, where like Rodney Dangerfield is just like, so let's dance, and everybody just starts dancing. Like, instantly, there's a party, <laughs> you know. So GBH is a gas mask. He picks up the rest of the team and starts hightailing it back to the ship. As the Yaga aliens come out of their Mac Mac stupor, they mount their lizard horses and they start to dr- uh, drunkenly come after our guys. Oh man. So, they're drunkenly giving chase as Ace and company drunkenly escape. Everyone adds slurs to their senses as they sort of talk, just because they're (laughs) drunk out of their heads. It's pretty accurate. It's a lot of shit, and I didn't really understand some of the sentences. I mean, it's tough with Ace, who's already speaking CB gibberish to then have, like, a speech impediment. Yeah, it's not. Oh. GBH fights off the natives as Ace prepares to bug out, dropping a rope to allow GBH to escape. Back Which is at awesome. It's he a just real grabs like the thing and helicopters away. Super dramatic exit in this situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in Hell's pocket, the team has some difficulty escaping the endless checkerboard of the black hole. But Ignance's theory of entering the eye of the hole works, and everybody manages to escape. Uh, just FYI, it takes them a few tries because don't drive your spaceship drunk. Come on. Yeah, especially not through black holes. <laughs> yeah. They're not coming after you. It's a primitive planet. 
Yeah, with nothing to show for the, from this excursion but hurt feelings and a huge hangover, uh, Ace does what anyone would do and dumps Lagoo uh, back on the hitchhiker buoy in deep space where they found him. Yeah, peace out. Go find someone else to do your weird work. Yeah, 10-10, see you never. Uh, <laughs> so, for our final Ace Trucking prog, uh, Belladernelli's back and Ace is in yeah. the color pages here, which is very nice. It's beautiful. He's so yellow. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, yeah, everyone calls him a carrot, but that guy's like some kind of yam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it starts with ACC singing like some kind of like uh, space trucker country ditty, I guess. Like, I tried to figure out the tune uh, for it. I was unable to. It's got a lot going on in it, honestly. It's a, it's a beautiful, you know, song that's slightly nonsensical. You it's know? got 10-10 in the chorus, which is always nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, they're hauling a giant ice rock. Yeah, they're hauling a, a giant iceberg to a desert planet that's they're going to get get water from. Uh, Ace checks in on Feek, but Feek's busy because he's bred a swarm of Ugg bugs in the ship's hold, and now he's going to eat them for lunch. Super gross, and they're very surprised by this, the Ugg bugs. They're like, oh, crap. I thought we were friends, Feek. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> Super gross. Yeah. So, uh, all seems well, basically, until suddenly another ship appears on their radar, coming right for them. It's a lugjacker! Oh, no. What are we going to do? So, yeah. There's another ship coming right for them. It's a lugjacker! Ace calls for help. Ace calls for help, but they've got a signal blocker on them. They ditch the iceberg to go faster, but it's not fast enough to outrun the jackers, who demand they surrender. The crew prepares to meet the attackers at the ship's airlock, and despite some sweet blazooka shots, they're clearly outgunned by the jackers. That means it's time once again for Plan B. Chug it! In this case, he runs away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really cool. They're using ricochet bullets. They're just filling this tunnel full of like bad news. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they're just using dread style ricochet bullets. We're just like, all right, shoot that sidewall. That's fine. <laughs> Next time on Ace Trucking, dog tailed hot side. God, this trucker lingo. It's really complete. There's just a lot going on with it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, Ace Trucking's good, man. I really like it. I, I like how the um, uh, the black hole story turned out. It's just like. They seem to lose more than win, man. Yeah, you know, they got a very sort of, I mean, I feel like like a lot of stories that are sort of based around get-rich-quick schemes, like Ace isn't really successful all the time, but he usually has a good time sort of doing it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, like, uh, I still, the team is super diverse, like in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? The bone, bony dude. Feek. Uh, Feek. Like, Feek was about to just, like, jump ship. As soon oh yeah! As, like yeah, they brought out a bunch up. of suitcases. That was pretty it's good. like oh, peace out, dude. Like they they've got a little bit uh, better. I or not better. I guess it's it's kind of different than than watching three characters from Strontium Dog, right? Or four characters say. Oh yeah, these guys have a different show. yeah have a different uh, relationship than Strontium Dog. Though they do kind of share sort of a similar set, set of teamwork ideas yeah. and stuff, but they definitely have a different uh, like. Like, you know, Ace has a really different place as the leader than Johnny does as the leader of the Strontium Dog team, for instance. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I like that sort of fresh air kind of take on um, on the team mentality that we have at this point. It feels uh, like, because we got that with ABC Warriors, too, right? Mm. Like four or five different 
um, people working together, but not necessarily all of them being the best kind or the easiest to oh, work yeah. with. Definitely, so, yeah. I think that's a good point, for sure. Yeah, they're doing they're doing good stuff here, man. All right. Hey, speaking of guys working together, Fox. Oh, man. On a team of some sort? Thrill to Mean Arena. Hey, we're going to start Mean Arena with these two really tall guys and then cut it in half with a dumb ad. <laughs> yeah, script robot Tom Tully, art robot Mike White, letting robot Peter Knight. So, yeah, it's the Edinburgh... Edinburgh executioners versus Slater Slayers, missile suit versus headblades, fight! And yeah, again, yeah, you're right. Half the half the page at the opening of this story is an ad for model kits, and that's pretty rough on the narrative in terms of just where your place is, you know. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. Yeah, there's Stop a uh, there's a tale of the tape for the two star players of the of these teams. I like how uh, Matt Talent's injuries include sundry bruises. Like, there's no, you can't really define them. There's just, they're just all over. Uh, what I think is nuts is, like, Mordred's got, like, a thousand things broken, and Matt Town's like, oh, I got a fake hand. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, they, you know, they've come up through different systems, I guess. Yeah. But that's I, why Mordred's, Mordred's pretty cool looking, though. Yeah, that's why Matt Town's a murderous pretty boy, buddy. Can't trust oh, that God. guy. He's really just a killer. <laughs> I mean... Let's get into it. Um, The teams enter the arena as the fans get hyped up, causing Talon to basically just cut a promo on them. He calls them bloodthirsty savages and stuff, which, like, okay, listen. (laughs) I could see this being a point about how the people who are into street football just want to see death and murder and stuff. If Matt Talon, if we don't immediately cut to like the guy who Matt Talon is about to get bloody revenge on after having had robo r- robot doctors do a f- surgery on him, you know? I, yeah, I really do think that that was kind of the point, you know. Like, I don't think he's supposed to oh, look really? like the hero, but he's supposed to like think like, oh, it's all this game's fault, and I'm doing. I think it's actually clever writing, interesting, because because they do cut to him, and it is like. Almost three panels later, he's just like, oh, I'm going to totally kill this guy. Yeah, and I okay. think that's that's actually some smart stuff. I, I hope it's intentional, basically. If 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 it's intentional, that's pretty good. As it is, it's pretty like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> as it is. it Well, because like the, the people who respond to him when he's extolling, like first he's in his head, he's like, oh, this all is bloodthirsty. And then suddenly he just freaks out and like yells. Everyone's like, "What is he? Ta- what is he saying? Something? Yeah. Go, go how can we say this? How can we say in the second half of a of a, of a paragraph to us?" <laughs> <laughs> just, just everyone's like fucking confused. Yeah. It's great. So, just to recap, there is in fact a doctor who he blames for the death of his brother, bandaged and unconscious somewhere in the playing area of this mean arena game. In- so. It's so ridiculous. In the pregame prep pep talk, Slater tells the team to watch out for the executioner's hellblades and to try not to, to provoke them as they are on edge. And uh, get it? Oh, that's horrible. Uh, and that they're just they're just supposed to be using it for uh, breaking obstacles and things. Right. But he's like, "Look, guys, don't don't provoke them into like hitting you with this. They're not supposed to. They'll get in trouble, but you'll also be." T- yeah, I mean, you know, you, we, you know, the uh, the post mortem penalty for taking a giant head blade to the face is probably not going to be good for you. <laughs> Anyhow, Talon immediately ignores that advice. He starts laying out executioners. He's like pegging the ball at their faces and punching them and stuff. He's just playing like a real jerk, and that's really going to rile up these Scotsmen. 
Dude, he punches one in the face with the ball. And then, yeah, and then it just throws the ball right in the face for another doing some real, uh, some real, like, elementary school dodgeball kind of moves from what yeah. I've seen. Basically, like, whips a guy in the next prog with his own uh, lasso. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, gets a dude in the back. He's being a real jerk, but he's still managing to score, but he's just scoring in a way that, uh, just maximizes damage to the executioner's team. And then after like after that score we cut to the executioner's uh first aid station, there's like six dudes there in bandages because he's just killing everybody. Yeah, they're just like, what, three more people? Like what's going on, man? Mm-hmm. Mordred and the rest of the executioners resolve to not worry about the game and instead just focus on kicking the shit out of Matt Talon, which seems to have been his plan all along. Because As, uh, he shows up. Yeah, he re- he returns to where Doctor Jessup is sitting, all tied up, his face covered in bandages, fresh from robot surgery. So oh, <laughs> the executioners are, are are combing the area for Talon. They're getting yelled at by by the refs and sweet mini helicopters, and it just looks <laughs> like this whole game's going to be canceled just because it's like they're losing control. Meanwhile. Yep. Matt Talon unwraps the bandages from Dr. Jessup and sends him out into the arena. Uh, Jessup's wearing a replica of Talon's uniform. And as he, uh, as he starts to encounter the assault of angry executioner members, he realizes that he's also wearing a replica of Matt Talon's face. Oh, God, the robo-surgeons turned me into a beautiful madman. <laughs> he realizes, he, yeah, the uh, riled-up executioners are gunning for Jessup now, and he has to run and hide. He thinks he's safe going under a train car, but a bunch of Edinburgh fans see him and tip off the executioners, and they shoot the can with their droid guns, setting it on fire. It's not... Good. <laughs> the fire crews come out. They put out the train, but it's way too late. Whoever's under there is long dead. Oh, uh, God. A riot seems to start between the executioners, the slayers, and their respective supporters as this all comes out when suddenly Matt Talon appears, unburnt and alive. Oh, don't worry, guys. I'm totally fine. And that was probably just some dude. Oh, well, that's fine. Yeah. The Slayers rejoice. The dead guy's written off as a random fanatic. And uh, the legend of the Slayer continues. <laughs> this man is an actual murderer. <laughs> that's like some full-on like like uh, Joker stuff. That's like a, a Batman villain would kill somebody like that. Like, literally. <laughs> that's like a, like a Riddler situation if the totally. guy was like it had something to do with trains and yeah (laughs) listen um yeah so that so the match carries on the slayers winning after the game it seems that talon has had a change of heart uh and then so basically after just cruelly getting revenge on the second man on the list he decided (laughs) to give up on the vengeance game and now he's just going to focus on helping the slayers walk tall but that's not enough for the four remaining vengeance targets the lady member of which calls another who's apparently involved in actually running a game and starts a plan to take Talon out once and for all. Mean Arena will return in Prague 246. And uh, Matt Talon gets a kiss from the only girl on the team. Yeah. A little smooches. I mean, he's evil. Listen, it's so ridiculous. Like, even if he's earnest about not getting revenge, and who knows with Matt Talon being all, like, like, uh-huh. like full, full-scale evil, he is a bad guy. Like, it's just the fact that we're following him as the main character that makes him not a bad guy. Okay. I... He hasn't done anything Hold on a second. kind. Yeah, no, he's always evil, dude. He's killing hella dudes. <laughs> I just, I don't even understand yeah. this. 
and so now that he's calling like Ollie Ollie Oxen free on his revenge, it's like I don't think you get to do that when you've just killed the second guy. Like you gotta, you know, or you can't expect them the uh, the guys you're getting revenge on just leave you alone at this point. You know, it's time for some swings and roundabouts, right? Like, yeah, it's frankly it's shocking. Like just the yeah the, the cold blooded nature in which he kills these dudes is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow, yeah, this it just takes it out of you. This, it like, really does. What kind of hero is this? I like your idea of it being, um, of Talon actually being the bad guy, but I, or of this stuff being ironic, but I'm still skeptical about it being that deep in this kind of comic, you know? I, you know, I'm, I'd like to think so. I, and like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it would at least give me some reprieve to his shenanigans. <laughs> totally, yeah. You know, it's just how long that Matt Talon can wear the mask of a hero. And hey, speaking of masks. Oh, God. <laughs> Thrill 3 Future Shocks. We have so many this month, and I'm not happy with, uh, like, a portion of them. <laughs> yeah, well, there's four. But it's rough because it's it, there's two episodes there's two there's two progs with two future shocks each basically. Arguably, does this put it into top or bottom status? Oh yeah! Anytime there's more than like three future shocks, I say we we, we can toss it in there. And, right. just, yeah, just you know, mark it off. Um, so check. <laughs> first off, we've got uh, the masks of Arazor script robot Steve Moore. Art robot Jose Casanova, sledding robot Bill Nuttall. So, Seems all right. Yeah, the spaceship, the Helios, lands on the planet Erezor. Bunch of space dudes start exploring. They find a dead alien civilization, which is just a big boneyard. All of them wearing these weird masks. Well, mm-hmm. uh, better put one of these mysterious masks on. Just <laughs> <laughs> show the setup of Prometheus. <laughs> the guy who does this instant. I haven't seen a Prometheus, otherwise I'd totally like go... I'd enjoy your reference as much as uh, well, you like take time to enjoy mine. But yeah, no, I yeah, I'm sure it's it's just so many things. Where it's like, well, something's weird. There's something out of place. Better just you know start Touch read it, this ma- eat it, whatever. Yeah, read this magic book out loud. You know, um, <laughs> no problems will happen. Yeah. So the guy who puts the mask on springs into action, runs away from the crew. The rest of the crew is nonplussed, but gets back to work. They find a nearby sp- uh, crash spaceship that doesn't match the technology level of the rest of the civilization on the planet. Meanwhile, the mask guy is sneaking around, putting masks on the rest of the crew, as you do. <laughs> Which, what the hell? Soon, only a couple uh, crew members are not masked, and the masked crew members are loading big boxes of masks onto the ship to fly off. And are shooting at the unmasked crew members. This is not good. Maybe these masked guys not so great. Mm. It looks like killing a masked crew member causes their skin and clothes and stuff to blow away, leaving only a, ske- a skeleton and a mask. Great. Beal, the remaining crew member, knows he can't let the mask return to Earth because they'll all become crazy mask dudes. So instead, he uh, grabs like a runabout craft and crashes it into the Helios, a suicidal action to prevent the spread of the masks. He succeeds, but not before the Helios activates its distress, its distress signal, calling a nearby ship to show up and investigate. Whoa, check out those weird masks. Better put one on. Oh, God. <laughs> the cycle continues. <laughs> Alien masks are your leaders. <laughs> <laughs> 
so stupid. Oh yeah, I thought I thought this was a just a dumb like Twilight Zoney kind of uh, yep. future show, you know. Yep. Uh, next Although up, I, oh good, I I liked this one well enough with Pest. Yeah. Joe, Joe Black. Yeah, yeah. Next up, uh, Joe Black's Tall Tale. Script about Kelvin Gosnell. Art oh, about John Higgins. Letting go about uh, Tony Jacob. Yeah, we. this is another Joe Black adventure. Uh, we've seen a couple of these. He's a guy for Pest. The, uh, what, like a the Survey Trust. You know what I'm talking about. He's an interplanetary yeah, explorer. planetary, boring, whatever, who gives a crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exploration and Survey Trust. We got it. We oh. got it as a team. Okay. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so th- this is the second Future Shock in Prague 221, or 241, I should say. Um, it's another Joe Black adventure. This time Joe has found an undiscovered planet with basically human life. He contacts it and finds out that it's completely ruled by a single leader, the Princess Elvira, who's pretty cute. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Joe... Bait. Yeah, as a as a uh, good ethical uh, explorer and colonist, uh, Joe decides to run a con <laughs> where he's going <laughs> to basically say that, hey, yeah, as a, a binding marriage contract between the scout and planetary rulers is a standard part of first contact protocols here in the galaxy, what I'll have you know. <laughs> oh, God. It seems like a sweet gig. He'll rule. He'll marry the ruler of this planet until he lands and sees that all the aliens are like 50 feet tall. It's, uh, and I mean, she's still gorgeous, but I love the way that she described this. We suspected that there would be a size difference between our people. We trust this will not cause difficulties. <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa. oh, man. Some crazy fetish stuff going on here, Fox. Probably not good man. for a family show like ours. Anyhow, oh, sometimes no. the randomness of life really does make you feel small. Bam, bam, bam! <laughs> That's the pun ending from the comic, folks. So <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so next up, it's a Love Thy Neighbor, a script robot Kelvin Gosnell, art robot Jesus Redondo, letting robot Steve Potter. This mm. is a super British future shock, Fox. This seems like a super British future <laughs> shock. Everybody's, all the word bubbles are super, like you can only hear them in like a British accent. You're like, yeah, what's up with old Albie? You know? <laughs> Got it at last. Yeah. Now I'll show him. <laughs> yeah, so there's an old guy named Albert. Uh, he lives in a rickety old mansion and is pissed off that the suburbs have moved in around him. He's very much an old curmudgeon, but also a gifted engineer curmudgeon, I suppose, because he's managed to build an EMP weapon in his basement. He activates <laughs> it and turns off all electricity in a three kilometer radius by kicking it. Hey, you know, first it doesn't work, then you kick it and it gets working. That's old-time engineering, Fox. Of course, it's not a two-dimensional flat surface of kilometer radius. It is, in fact, a bubble. Yeah, radius denotes sort of in a, in a, in a spherical thing. And thus, it hits a, a passing jet fighter. <laughs> the warplane is forced to crash and the pilot ejects. And the jet lands right on the head of Albert. Whoa! Oh, he's dead now. <laughs> Everyone's sad that Albert's dead and completely unaware that he hated them all and wished them death. <laughs> Old bam, people aren't, what, aren't always what they seem. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't trust old people. Bam, bam, bam. That's the real, that's the real lesson for sure. Oh, God. Right. Final uh, future shock. Mr. Uh, Could you use a squange? Uh... <laughs> Script robot Alan Moore. Letting robot Ron Tyner. Or Art Robot Ron Tyner, Letting Robot T. Skamowski. Mm. 
And I think we're starting to see some more, uh, it's like some effects of Nemesis production troubles here, Fox. Just because this is the second future shock of um in a prog and you know in in for two progs in a row, yeah. And this one's real weird just because like the art row, both the art robot and the lettering robot, uh, Tyner and uh, Skomsky are really like they aren't usual 2080 talent. You know, they seem like they sort of just had to get some guys from like nearby other comic books to do an, an emergency future shock because Nemesis was messed up again. And the art is fine, but I've got real words about this fucking, this future shock. It's pretty good, yeah. So, basically, this time some astronauts have returned from a costly trip to Alpha Centauri with just a sack full of gross, bubbly aliens that are quickly called squanges. Ugh. Gotta reach into your squanj. Oh, man. I feel like we're in, in, in... Rick and Morty territory here, actually. Um, so the, uh, the, the bloody, the blobby monsters seem to multiply rapidly and soon the research base is overrun with them. Uh, feeling the budget heat, they decide to sell the squanges, hoping they'll become the latest American fad and it works. Sort of like Until pet some rocks dumb or something. kid puts it on his friggin' head. Well, as always happens, some rotten kid decides to put this pet squanj on his head. And when he does, he suddenly starts talking super smart. Like, incomprehensibly super smart. <laughs> Soon, everybody's getting super smart thanks to these squanges, but the boffins back at the space base are suspicious. Because why would anyone make these things? They're obviously, like, like you know, per, like made by senti- other sentient beings, and then just leave them lying around. That seems a bit weird. Yeah, a random joke about one of the pair being crazy inspires the answer. These squanges are broken, and instead of making people su- super smart, they're making them crazy smart. They're crazy. Everybody's crazy. We gotta tell uh, yeah. the president? And just the Joint Chiefs of Staff or whatever, but they're all wearing squonkas too, and they're all crazy. Yeah, because on, on closer examination, all that smart guy talk everybody was doing was really just basically sort of smart guy sounding gibberish, and everybody's yep. wearing one, and humanity is doomed. <laughs> bam, bam, bam! <laughs> <laughs> Don't just wear a brain on your head. You know, yeah, quality control those brains, and like just because someone sounds like they're talking smart, you know... Maybe fact check some of the actual words they're saying so you can find out that it's not just uh, academic gibberish. That's what I say. I am going to tell you right now that if a future shock exceeds two and a half pages, mm-hmm. I am not happy. Oh, that's like the sweet Gen- spot? It's like two and a half? Gen- I've seen it time and time again. Short but sweet. It's supposed to be uh, dumb, a little funny, or like a creepy... Uh, super creepy, uh, whatever, like a kid that eats all the things. Yeah. But I'll say like, I'll like, say like three and a half this is a so good amount. Many words. This, had, yeah. this was like six pages and a billion words. It was like, I was chugging through it and like, I got it partway through and like, I want to read all this, you know, maybe yeah. like something different, especially because of future shock. Like it's the pun where it turns. Right. But like, I got it. Like, when they put the kid on the soapbox and he was like, gerbil, derbil, derbil, derbil. It's like, all yeah. right, we can, we can yeah. finish this now. But it's, I, I think you. you're right. It's because of the Nemesis stuff where like, we got to fill six pages. Yeah, this one feels like a rushed one. And it also just feels like something that for sure, like, you know, just even from what I picked up, just from having read Alan Moore previously and <clears throat> sort of in the course of these future shocks, man, like, he loves writing some gibberish, you know? That is something that he enjoys putting in dialogue. 
that's pretty fair. So I feel like having some having a gibberish based future shock that you just sort of write on short notice would be very up his alley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Hey, you know I, that's why I said it, buddy. I'm fair. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> God. But speaking of things that are underwhelming, Fox, it's oh. non thrills, covers, and nerve setter. Hooray. Yeah, I, I like know. Thark the Jolly. <laughs> There's some good Thark stuff in here. Uh, so, Prague 241, Avenge Our Murder Most Foul. It's an iconic rogue trooper cover by Dave Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Alas, poor bag man, I knew him well. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's just Tharg walk. It's or sorry, Rogue walking out with a bunch of uh of the of the skulls of the uh, biochips sort of hanging over him. Mm. Yeah, in the nerve center, there's a picture of Tharg the Jolly supplied in request in response to a request by Tharg, as well as an off-brand Dark Judge Judge Demon. He's pretty um, demonic. Pretty good, yeah. Fine, fine for for you know kid work. Letters include a poem about Ace Trucking, complaints about a news magazine misspelling Dred's name, the spelling it with an A, and <gasps> then another complaint about a kid who had a prog stolen by another kid. You rotten youths! What? what? <laughs> this that is a crime, most foul. Yeah, you don't no go good. stealing other people's progs. That makes mm-hmm. you like. That makes you like a, a Zragian. Man, yeah, come on. you're some kind of th- uh, thrill criminal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the prog, there's an ad for 2000 AD that uh, uh, features Tharg blasting thrill suckers Space Invaders style, which I thought was pretty awesome. good. Yep. And there's a, a full-page ad for Weetabix, a product I find confusing, but we should get into later once they start <laughs> having weirder ads. Um, oh, my God. Well, you could all- win a, a Rayleigh bike. Hey, let's get to it. We need these 1980 bikes. There's also a sweet pinup of the Ace Trucking Home Satellite, the Beehive K. So awesome. It's pretty cool, buddy. Uh, Prog 242, Orlock, the assassin, bent on destroying Mega City 1, oh, makes his appearance in this Brian Ballin cover. Thrill power content 100%. I hope he chokes on a groat. Mm-hmm. Get out of here, Orlock. In the nerve center, Tharg... Uh, plugs the prog for two weeks from now. Um, and he's the Thargalisa, also, I'll have you know. Um, it's very well done. Le- readers both like and dislike Ace Trucking. Uh, and Denny Randall suggests a complicated future sport based, based on Orkney Ba, which has an apostrophe at the end that I'm finding very confusing for how to pronounce. Yeah, no, you know, it's weird. People are, are down on Ace Trucking, which I don't really like. You know, that seems weird to me because Ace Trucking's pretty good. Uh, yeah. yeah. this The person who argued for it, by the way, was like Dan Darum Blackhawk. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Yeah, you don't know if it's good, kid. I'm sorry. I have a strong disagreement. Ooh, with he just likes the wrong things. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Mid prog, there's a rogue trooper recruitment quiz, which I think is pretty amazing. Just because rogue has only been in the progs for like two months, so it's crazy they're like doing trivia for it already. Like they clearly know they've got a hit character here. Mm-hmm. I and mean, prog- kids have already voted on it. I would think because they've had the form since. The, yeah, they've uh, definitely the gotten at least like maybe like six weeks worth of uh, worth of, of forms at this point. I'd imagine it seems like they're two weeks ahead, just from where they are, what they, what they talk about in the nerve center versus what we're seeing in the pages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Prog 243, the game's over, Talon. You're our target now. This Mean Arena cover is by Mike White, and I feel like every single Mean Arena cover so far has been by a different artist, which is kind of weird. You know, some weird child. Yeah, in the Nerve Center, one of uh, Fox's favorite, Tharg the Muscular, says the 2000 AD... Yeah, totally. He says he, that 2000 AD has swept the Eagle Awards this year. But man, if you look it up in the Eagles Wikipedia page, there's there's a gap in the Eagle Awards from 1980 and 1983. So there's no record of any Eagle Award in 1981. So I call bullshit. Really? <laughs> I'm saying I'm an Eagle Award truther. Like a ton of different things are getting winning stuff in different categories that they definitely didn't have for British comics when the last Eagle Awards were held. So or, get out of here. Or there's some sort of Illuminati job on this, man. Oh, that's that's hiding it, hiding the truth from us. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, either way, you know. Yeah, I know. It's some crap. They're, they're either making it look bad for me or they're making it look bad for themselves by mentioning it and then tossing it down the memory hole. you got to be more complete with this stuff, Illuminati. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> you got to erase it. This, yeah. this probably should not exist kind of thing. Definitely. Hey, right, they're probably just lying. It's like, you know, you leave pieces behind. How are you going to be an all-powerful organization if you leave, leave clues that regular <laughs> schmoes like Conrad and Fox can find? <laughs> um, so. Super Illuminati. Letters compliment Nemesis and Tharg compliments compliment letters. There's also <laughs> it's true. He says like like a letter just like I like Nemesis. Tharg saying like I like it when people send me letters saying they like things. Um, there's also positive letters for the 2080 annual and Rogue Troopers. And hey, kid, don't read that annual yet. Those are for Christmas. Oh man. <laughs> the Prague ends with Walter wishing us weeders a merry Christmas. Uh. And let me just... Well, no. I'll get to it later on. Um, in 2.44, Bellardinelli draws GBH blasting some truck jackers with a blazooka. Excellent times. Oh, yeah. Earthlets, this is your future. Dude. Uh, Tharger Christmas delivers some gifts and wishes oh. us Christmas greetings as he prepares to return to Quaxon for the holiday. He also mentions the review of 1981 feature, which we're going to talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Letters demand Rigelian hotshots for news agents. Ask how Thar, how old Tharg is, for the return of Nick Stone to Meltdown Man. Uh, Tharg lets us know that he is as old as the stars and as young as the future, and there's no future plans for Nick Stone. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, mid prog, Bert hit, Bert hits us with an Xmas quiz. Just a bunch of questions about the last year of progs. I don't know yeah. if you looked at this one, Fox, but I did, and I did pretty bad on it. I got like 16 out of 30. Uh, I always get scared with quizzes like this because mm-hmm. I have the memory of, I don't know. Yeah. No, like it was tough, man. Who doesn't have one. Because it wasn't even like multiple choice. It was like name five, you know, name all seven of the Jensen gang members. Like, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> Those guys showed up for like two progs and got their, got their ass kicked. That's what I'm saying. They were immediately started thinning out. Um, anyhow, uh, then we get a pretty compre- a pretty complete review of 1981, complete with notable covers, posters, thrill starts and stops. Um, if you want to know more about uh, ni- the 2000 AD year of 1981, let me suggest Space Spinner 2000 episode 60 through 75 if you're interested in such matters. Oh man, you'll get some of the best parts of Return to Armageddon. You'll get some cool stuff with uh, so Strong Dog. Man. Yeah, yes, uh, Meltdown Man. 
Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next episode. Anyhow. <laughs> Uh, the prog ends with a pinup of Tharg by Robin Smith, looking ultra mega buff as Bert and a bunch of art droids. I think it's the uh, the frame Bond and McMahon droids uh, frolicking in the snow, building a sweet dread snowman. Splundig ver ho ho ho. <laughs> this makes sense. Hey, why not? And it's Tharg the festive. He's quite festive. Hey, why you know? Don't be a jerk about it. And speaking of Judge Dread. Oh, yeah. for Judge Dredd. <laughs> oh, man. So script yeah. robot John Wagner and Alan Grant, Stevie Grover, art robot Ron Smith, and Steve Dillon, lettering robot Tom Frame. Tom Frame, Tom Frame, Tom Frame, Tom Frame, Tom Frame. Oh. <laughs> I got you. you I'm, I've been gotten, dude. Absolutely. You got you got Eiffel uh, 46? I, what are they? 61? I don't, I don't know. know. You uh, you beat me again um, <laughs> with your references. So the uh, the Kurt Vonnegut-looking citizen that was going to inform <laughs> on the case of Block Mania in exchange for immunity gets killed via piano wire right in front of Judge Dredd. Oh, God. Worst way to go, FYI. Yeah. Dredd can only see the perp's awesome studded gloves. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, he's got to get to the Frank Zappa block to investigate... But it's in the heart of Block Mania, with blocks just firing in every direction. Alliances and strategies Giant gone. Cannons. Giant cannons pointed out of all of the blocks, just yeah. like shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell you, Conrad, mm-hmm. I am really in love with this Block Mania shit. <laughs> yeah, man, it's awesome, right? <laughs> it is some of the coolest, most destructive shit. This, this run that Judge Shred has to do is epic. He gets into a flying ship, which is then yeah. shot down by one of these giant cannon things. Yeah, by they the... They uh, crash by, land. They crash at the uh, Jed Clampett block. That's the main character in the Beverly Hillbillies. Fuck yeah. And he's got to blast his way out of the side because he's like, I can't stop. I've got to get there. And anti-judge sentiment super high, man. He's got to shoot down hordes of angry citizens. He gets hit by a net and as the... Bike take the net guys out on autopilot. It's he, ridiculous. He jumps a broken piece of highway while being pursued by a horde of mopads, which then fall down through like the hole death. in the highway behind them. He Ugh. he finally makes to Frank Zappa, where he's forced to fight through his fellow judges who have succumbed to block mania. Like just shoots and guns down two of them, and like it's a black day. When, yeah, he sorry. just feels bad about it, but he's got to get Black going. Day when even judges can't be trusted. Ah, ah, excellent. <laughs> um, so he makes his way into the block. He finds the citizen room, finds his, finds him dead, but the shelves are all full of bottled water, and that's it. The chemical that causes block mania. It's in the water! Oh, God, let them know quick. And, <sighs> hey, quick cut to a man fucking dumping some chemicals into a water dispensary we suddenly shift narrative focus or like to the mission journal of this guy named orlock the assassin behind block mania we see him dosing the east quadrant water system with block mania and then gun down some judges in in cold blood he escapes using a satellite which is an anti-grav device thing mind you the the east part of mega city is the one that hasn't fallen yet it's true yeah until now basically he uh he hijacks a sludge truck and tries to escape even though the judges like stop the truck he manages to escape on foot killing even more judges as he goes 
this guy is nuts and clearly very good at what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So at Justice Central, they figure out the nature of the toxin, um, and they figure out that, that, that it hasn't been affecting judges because they usually have their own water supply, either at their state station houses or um, from their bikes. And mm-hmm. that Max Normal only drinks <laughs> champagne and uses Clino spray instead of some other uh, way of cleaning himself, which I got to say has made me turn a little bit on Max Normal, but that's fine. <laughs> Dude, I, if if you could survive with just like synth champagne and Clino spray, I mean, he's the, si- he's the, the man who's champagne clean. isn't the part that I isn't the part that I'm complaining about. <laughs> the clean spray <laughs> there's something about that clean spray that i don't really trust that much hey man <laughs> anyhow if you mean the man who's clean i, I mean technically i suppose the, the, the east water <laughs> plant reports the attack and dread puts out an apb on orlock which is picked up by our buddy judge giant all right judge giant yeah dude oh god oh. the 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 judge quickly finds Orlock. He gives chase, takes him down. But before Giant can bring him in, Orlock gets the jump on Giant with the help of that Satellite thing, and he shoots Judge Giant in the back. No, like a dirty, gross bastard! I can't. But Judge Giant is actually dead. I just want to say that the really the real worst thing about that uh, Walter Christmas pinup is that Walter still lives and Judge Giant is dead. Such crap! It I is say- such garbage like the last of the giant clan as far as i know is gone i just really want to apologize to you too someone just called me out for this on the on the 2080 forums um about how i kind of spoiled this for you at the end of the uh, hot dog run with which giant was on there and i I was like you know don't get too attached or whatever (laughs) well sure but i so i first off i didn't remember that um right but but (laughs) i don't on that I've, i've got a terrible memory but also like I figured, like, you know, maybe, like, sometime in the 90s, which is part of why everyone hated it. Not fucking right now. This was, like, so, so early, harrowing. dude. Dude, yeah. I, I was a gut punch, right? I, I had to stop, like, because I've been so bought into this Blockomania uh, totally. Dread story. Because uh, it's the first epic that I've been kind of like, this is really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all bad news, but this one so far has been my favorite, and now I'm just really sad. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's just a it's a real thing, man. Yeah, Dread finds giant bodies, gi- giant's body, but there's no time to grieve. Even now, Orlock is infiltrating Weather Control Central. The uh, the tech boys have figured out the nature of the chemical behind the block mania, but they're weeks from an antidote. However, they theorize that Orlock might have been <laughs> might have an antidote in his bloodstream, so that he remains. So we m- need his m- blood. We need his blood. <laughs> <laughs> so Judge Dread. Okay, so we can't make a thing for a while. It's going to be too late. Get his blood, please. No problem, tech guys. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, so Dread puts out a warning to all possible vectors of block mania, including weather control, but it comes too late as Orlock begins executing all the judges aboard the weather station and pours oh. concentrated block mania into the station's filtration system, then starts a massive rain fully saturated with the block mania chemicals. This is really insane. Like, this man is now basically turning this 
city into a burning inferno. That's right. Yeah, this is going to get the central zone too. The uh, the control center is on fire, and there's no other way. And there's no other way to stop the rain. A pod escapes from the satellite, and both an H wagon and Dread himself head out on the Buddy Epson spiral to catch Orlock. And and Damn. it's funny because the Jed Clampett block shot down Dread, and uh, Buddy Epson is the guy who played Jed Clampett. So whatever. Yeah. Also ties into uh, John Wagner's love of hillbilly stuff. Anyhow, this is very God. This, the, this is very interesting. All right. Yeah. So Dread moves to the front of the prog this time as Brian Ballin takes over, and this is actually I should mention Fox Brian Ballin's last episode of Dread that he'll draw in in the uh, progs. Really? Why? Yeah. Uh, he um I think pretty soon afterwards he's gonna get poached by the Americans, dude. He's gonna come over here, draw some super, draw some Wonder Woman, draw some Superman stuff like that, you know. Oh we're wow. Gonna, we're we're kind of reaching a point actually in these sort of like mid to late two hundreds where a lot of these sort of more realistic British born artists are gonna get poached. Like Dave, you know, oh. Brian Bones is gonna go. Dave Gibbons is gonna go. Those are the big two, I'd say. Wow, that's crazy! It's like such a he's well, like, got such a like good character for him. He's he makes the meat in the man's face. No, he really draws a realistic style, and it's really cool. But you know, all these DC guys are you know it's it's, it's sort of this early '80s. You know, the X Men are sort of draw driving this early '80s renaissance of comics, um, and. And that's gonna and it's gonna start a, a British invasion later on in the eighties. Like that's when Alan Moore goes over and stuff. But before that, um, DC is gonna start poaching artists, especially just because like you can because because everybody's real criminally underpaid in British comics, like super duper underpaid, you know. Really. And so DC can show up and be like, yeah, we'll send we'll pay you like you know a pittance in dollars, and it's way more than you're getting in pounds in England, basically. Oh my god! Or that's what it seems like. Just reading like sort of like Future Shock and the Mighty One and stuff like that. Like mm. you know, it became a real problem, sort of brain drain of uh, of of artists, especially being stolen by uh, U.S. comics. Oh wow. Anyhow, Man, the more you know. Yeah, just Thank sort you. of an interesting thing. I thought I sort of wondered, like when I saw this, I was like, "Oh yeah, Brian Bolland's drawn this. Like, when is he done? Like, oh, r- right here. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, he'll, he'll draw some other stuff, I think, but this is his last dread. Also, because okay. a scare is about to take over for a long time. Also, ooh, yeah, freak out next. You know, whatever. Anyhow, um, <laughs> next whatever. Uh, See you Chief- in- 1982. Yeah, Chief Judge Griffin uh, warns about warns the people about going out in the rain, but most citizens don't care. It's pretty much the last time it, it's rained since like the Call Me Kenneth stuff way back in 1977. It's um, it's definitely they've definitely turned on rain this year that I know of. We've seen like some fog stuff and some occasional stuff, but this is like a citywide rain, I think, which is a big difference. Gotcha. Well, everyone's out in their bathing suit being ding dongs. Yep. <laughs> um, Not smart. Yeah. The uh, the rain can't um can't the rain can't stop uh dread or the rain won't. Let Dread catch Orlock, but this giant tidal wave down the Epsom <laughs> spiral will. Um, 
Dread and Orlock are suddenly they're fighting in knee deep water. They're exchanging heavy blows until Dread just freaking judo tosses Orlock so that the back of his knees land on the broken window of a car, like with the glass going into his legs and stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it just impales him, and he's just hanging, hanging head down from this window. And in one of the most intense set of three panels I've ever seen in my life ensues. Orlock tosses a bomb of concentrated block mania at Dread, and it drives him mad. But not, unfortunately for Orlock, it's not the kind of mad where he's distracted, but instead the kind of mad where he just kicks the shit out of you for like two panels and you can't fight back. (laughs) Dude, it's so great. He's just holding his shit together, and they pick him up, and like... Dread, oh, yeah, man. Dread calls the H-Wagon and takes Orlock away, and so he's finally able, able to drop his mental tension and give in to Block Mania. He's with Rowdy Yates! Who are you with? Dude. Luckily, you've got to tranquilize the shit out of that guy because it's yeah. Dread. Luckily, a speedy gas injector full of sedative stops him before he basically just kills every other non-Rowdy Yates in the, vicin- the vicinity. God, I would not want to see... Like Dread looking at you angry? No way. (laughs) Also, uh, Rowdy Yate is the character that a young Clint Eastwood played in the TV show Rawhide. Oh, yeah. There you go. Just, you know, dropping these these character info things with these blocks. Uh, Move them on, head them up. Head them on, move them on. Rawhide! Rawhide! So great. God damn, I love that song. <laughs> uh, Dread comes too, and it looks like they've been able to figure out a vaccine from Orlock's blood. It's being dis- distributed to essential personnel, but the mania still rages in the streets. It's now citywide. Dude, it's like buildings are toppling over, and uh, it's just, it's still so insane. Under interrogation, the judges learn that Orlock is a judge himself from East Meg 1. Oh, he's a soft blocker. Block Mania is a solved plot and a successful one. Madness reigns in the streets. The judge forces are crippled. Mega City 1 is basically defenseless. And now the Sovs will strike. The missiles are away. Oh, man. Next time, Operation Apocalypse. The death of Mega City 1. The Apocalypse War has begun. Merry Christmas, kids. Here's a cliffhanger. <laughs> I, Fuck your Christmas. We're blowing up this city. <laughs> I love this Judge Saga. It's Man. insane. And so, it's just the most intense thing I've seen in such a long Super intense. Time. Yeah. So like, so that was like basically like I think like nine episodes of Block Mania Fox. Mm-hmm. After this, we're going to get, we're going from like regular epic to mega epic as we get the 25 or so Prague um, Apocalypse War what? starting in January, starting January 2nd, 1982. What? Dude, you're going to crap so your pants, many... buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, I really it's, hope not. It, it, it's all drawn by Ascara. It's all amazing. Oh, it's got really? everybody. It's got everything. Massive changes to the whole setup. Oh my god, I'm so fucking excited. That's the you, way to see. This is, and I, I'm, I'll get. We'll get into this when we get to the end. But uh, like, I don't give Drev, Dread as much props as I do some of the other lesser stuff. Which is mm-hmm. to say that it's always like this great heartbeat. This is like grabbed me by my jowls and said, "If you don't pay attention to me, I'll punch you in the face." <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. And like, yeah, just, uh, anyway, let's look, let's keep rolling. Cause I've got so much I want to talk about okay, cool. with this. Okay. Here uh, we go with thrill five rogue trooper. Uh, script robot, Jerry Finley day art robot, Colin Wilson and Mike Dory lettering robot, Bill, not all. So, right. Yeah, bunch of Southers having fought off a, a Nort siege for a, for months are forced to surrender as their respirators run out. The Norts promise them fresh air, but instead they poison them. Those dirty Norts—they're real not great guys. But hey, you know what's better than watching a bunch of uh, Southers choke on some gas? It's having a party. Absolutely, yeah. They celebrate in a uh, in a dome, which Rogue and the Chips have decided to crash. Oh, man, but you don't it, want Rogue crashing your party. No. Instead of using a seal burster round, Reg, uh, Rogue goes in close and sees that the entertainment for the party will be a bunch of Blue Mooners, a race of, like, D&D-style dwarfs from the Blue Moon that orbits New Earth. Just like, they, whoa. They sing and dance and are generally made fools of and oppressed by the Norts. Like, they're, they're Blue Mooners from the Blue Moon. They're forced to sing the song Blue Moon, which is just monstrous. Um, yeah, this is, like, really messed up. I mean, you... Look, they're they're double bad, not great guys. These these Norts. Norts are the worst. Um, so Rogue fights his way in. He distributes air breathers to the Blue Mooners, and then gets an alley oop to the ceiling, where he deflates the bubble of the Nort base, killing everybody inside without an air an air tank. Good times. Mind you, he was also betrayed by a Blue Mooner, who then chopped in the neck. Yeah, but I think that was like the, that was like the the boss of the gang, whatever. Um, yeah, the other guys were cool though. Yeah, the Mooners head off to his, to Souther lines, and Rogue goes off on his own. He's not interested in the Mooners' jokes because the biggest joke is war itself. <laughs> and, and also, like his each one of the uh, chips just says a horrible joke when he gets back. <laughs> Pretty ridiculous. So, next prog, we open with a quick refresher about how awesome genetic infantrymen are. Uh, you know, yeah. the only they uh, the only thing they aren't protected against is treachery. Then we check in on Rogue escaping Nort pursuit by heading to the frozen north side of the planet. He uh, right. yeah, he takes out a Nort plane with a lazuka shell, and the heat from that uncovers a small plant hidden under the permafrost. Oh, look at this cute plant! And for yeah. the like. One of the few times we ever see Rogue smile, he's like, oh, this is a plant. It's true. Yeah, just for grins, he puts it in his helmet, of uh, Flower Child style. Then yeah. moves on as Nort speeders are coming from the east and ski troopers are honing in from the west. And you know how much oh. I love ski troopers, Fox. What's really great is that they're not they're not separated skis. They're like they have to stand with their legs yeah. together. Some sort of weird forward. ski snowboard combo. It's so bizarre looking. <laughs> Rogue tries to lose them in the ice formation, but suddenly falls. There must have been a toxin in that plant that Rogue wasn't immunized for, and it's left him paralyzed. Oh, crap, I can't do anything, and I'm just stuck here listening to my buddies talk. He lies unconscious on his back as the ski troopers grow ever closer. So What'll happen? Rogue is paralyzed. What can the chips do? One, yell real loud, causing an avalanche that takes out the ski troopers. Oh. I really like that panel, though, actually, of like the of the chips screaming. Because yeah. instead of word balloons, it's like these ghostly letter A's rise up from yeah. their speaker grills, you know? It's really it, it, fucking cool. It looks a lot like uh, like that comic uh, Bone. Have you ever read that one? Oh, yeah. Know. Fuck yeah, man. It's very Bone's like creeptastic. Yeah. But it's very reminiscent of some pages from that to me. I don't know. Absolutely. Um, 
So ski guys are taken out, but what about the about that those speeders? They're tracking rogue under the snow using like metal detector kind of things. <laughs> but it looks like he's had time to recover because he emerges from the snow with a giant from the snow. <laughs> yeah, he erupts from the snow with a giant spear of ice, which he uses to puncture the Norts. Uh, environmental suits, and then he breaks the windshield of the speeder, killing the drivers inside. Oh, it's so cool. It's pretty cool. Rogue reunites with the chips and heads out, not knowing that Nord High Command has seen that a plant can call, can uh, knock Rogue out, and it's planning to use that knowledge. Rogue will return next year in Prague 246. Hey, see you then, guys. Hey, hey. Anyhow, speaking of other things that'll come back in Prague 246, Fox, it's... Oh, yeah? Thrill Six Nemesis the Warlock. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, buddy. Uh, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kevin O'Neill, letting robot Steve Potter. So time for a spirit fight. Unable to find a body to reanimate, the spirit of the evil Torquemada is at the mercy of Nemesis the Warlock. But before Nemesis can destroy the spirit of Torquemada, the crumbling temple separates them across a lake of fire. Nemesis is pulled back from his pursuit to continue getting all the aliens out of the alien jail and then escape through the dimensional portal. Keep on task, buddy. Man, let me tell you, Ragnar is super cool and has a hand that can talk. Yeah, he's got a wise cracking hand arm. <laughs> he's one of the aliens from the pit that we saw right at the start of this Nemesis story. Yeah, he's super gross. I love him. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Torquemada meets with his advisor brother, Micron, who warns him that his spirit will fade away if he doesn't recharge, and he needs to visit the Vestal Vampires, which I think is a pretty fun uh, turn of phrase, I gotta say. Super great. And he's, like, really saying, like, dude, please don't enter a body. I love you. You are my master. We gotta get you out of here. And he's like, hell no. I'm Torquemada. I'm awesome. Yeah. Dude. So, uh, yeah, so... Torquemada rejects this, yeah, and he reanimates one last body. At the same time, the aliens have mostly been uh, sprung, except for one last Vith, which is this little cute, uh, you know, nice guy alien being chased by a human Terminator. The other alien <laughs> leaders all argue that they should go back and be heroic, but as they talk it over, Nemesis is already gone and is fighting that Terminator as Torquemada approaches and hefts his harpoon rifle to shoot Nemesis in the back. Holy goddamn hell it's awesome <laughs> yes sir so nemesis is hit with a harpoon in his back he crawls to the pit and the dimensional gateway beneath he makes the plunge but as he does torquemada holds the rope firm preventing his escape this is crazy God. just the two of them exchange looks and you look into their like steely eyes as nemesis hangs over this pit and torquemada holds this rope suspending him above in the air uh, I love that Torquemada just looks insane and Nemesis just looks angry. Totally. Nemesis then says, Then join me, vile human! Nemesis pulls Torquemada off the ledge, goes through the portal, then closes it, leaving Torquemada to burn in the flames of the Earth's core. I will Torquemada is finally dead! Or is he? Yeah, nah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nemesis warps to meet the rest of his alien buddies in the ancient ruins of the Waterloo un uh, London Underground Station. <laughs> and, and Space Babe runs up and is like, hey, mm -hmm, you look he like not so great. 
He rejoices in his victory. They'll have to lay low for a while. Then all these aliens will escape hidden in merchant ships. Hopefully this will be a great PR victory for Nemesis' faction, the Cabal, as well. <laughs> Literally what they talk about. Yeah. Termite will be crippled for quite some time. Nemesis gets back aboard the Blitzspear and flies off to his next adventure. Credo! The end of book one. Yeah. Nemesis will return in Prague 246. What the hell is going to be in two pro- Prog 245, Fox? Dude, just nothing. It's just going to be a lot of blank coloring pages. <laughs> totally. All right. One last thrill, Fox. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> thrill 7, Tharg the Mighty. Not bad. Uh, Not yeah. bad. You know, I like, Art I like Robot. a Santa story. Yeah, it's fine. Art Robot, Eric Bradbury, letting Robot Bill Nuttall. So, Santa Claus is heading out on his yearly mission when he stops to check a person in trouble below in the North Pole. Turns out to be one of the dictators of Zrag playing possum. Not good. Yeah. Yep. The dictators take Santa's clothes and Jack his sleigh, abandoning him on the Arctic tundra, preparing to deliver evil presents to the world. Which are in bags with a skull and crossbones, just mm. in case you were unsure. <laughs> I mean, these guys are bad, man. The gifts include uh, deadly robot soldiers, giant flesh-eating spiders, huge robots, uh, jerk skeletons, and Galder and dragons. And later, we'll find out vampires. Mm-hmm. Shocked by the terror of all this stuff, Rudolph manages to break free from the sleigh and heads off to warn the only one that can stop the dictators, Tharg the Mighty. I love how he greets uh, Rudolph, which is Yuletide greetings, and then pokes his own nose with his thumb. <laughs> so, luckily, saving Christmas is what Tharg and the characters of 2000 AD do best. Uh, Rojas and Hammerstein much. take down the giant robots. Blackhawk fights towards the skeletons. The VCs yeah. vape a squadron of vampires. Fucking and so cool. Even Rogue and the Chip show up to gun down some soldiers while Ace and GBH take down a horde of Frankensteins. So fucking cool. Like, listen, I call that monster Frankenst- uh, Frankenstein, buddy. No one can stop me. Meanwhile... <laughs> Shut up. Meanwhile, Thark runs down the dictators of Zrag and sends them to literal, actual hell. H-E double hockey sticks. With the demon and everything. Bad news. He frees Santa and distributes the gifts that fix the destruction from the evil gifts. And then everyone has a huge oil party at King's Reach Tower. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. What a great gift from our boss. Everyone except Let's for Santa, of course, has a massive cold. Poor yeah, Santa. He'll be anyway, all right. Splundig for ho, ho, ho. Yeah. And that's it, Fox. That's all the thrills for this month. December 1981. Cheese and crackers. Just a lot Man, going on. Merry Christmas, Yuletide greetings. Happy Hanukkah to you conrad yeah man happy 36 years ago christmas buddy <laughs> that's what i'm talking about hey you know i love i love this time and i think in the spirit of giving you know what i'm gonna do conrad what are you gonna do fox i'll let you choose top and bottom first whoa oh man okay top thrill this is weird top <laughs> top thrill judge dread buddy get Dude, out of here with non-judge right? dread options <laughs> even our other things like nemesis only had two this month um you know uh rogue only had three like yeah. ace trucking's pretty good but i'm a more fan of a bellardinelli uh ace trucking than a gibson one although the gibson one was real good with the mac mac fumes and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. 
But man, Judge Giant died, dude. I can't give it not top. That's a awesome thing. It really, that was a re- that's a real gut punch. Is, is it hurt me so much? He's character. been around for so long. He's actually been around since Call Me Kenneth, right? Um, no, just before though. Like you know, he yeah. definitely because I think, as I recall, um, Judge Giant showed up right when Harlem Heroes left the first time, which is like in the '30s or something like that. Ah, okay. But like he was definitely there for uh for Judge Cow. He was like a big player in Judge Cow. Man, oh man! So it's a big it's time, a big player. It's a bummer to lose him for sure. I mean, luckily we have I picked up when a he few. Was just a good dad. Definitely, yeah. When he scored his one and only airstrike during his cadet mission. Oh yeah, dude, man. Yeah, no, I poor one out. Um, bottom thrill. Yeah, I'm gonna say Mean Arena as always. Just because this strip feels real, like, schizophrenic to me. I can't figure out <laughs> whether Matt Talon's supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy. Or, like, I don't really like sort of uh, uh, cheering on a hero doing elaborate revenge murders, you know? <laughs> like, that yeah, feels, that feels weird to me. Especially ones where people don't really know that they're implicated. Right? Yeah. Like, like, this is just a real, like, messed up way to kill somebody. Um, and I sort of don't want to condone Shoot him. It, you know? I mean, you know, like, you don't gotta freaking kill people, but, like, when you start killing people through ironic punishments, you start being a bad guy. Like, yes. that's a, that's a one-to-one thing, you know? Big time. Who's going to save these people from, from Matt Talon? I, totally, yeah, because, like, good guys, maybe they go to get revenge, but then they say, you aren't worth the bullet, or whatever. But Matt Talon's totally got, you know, marked off two dudes. So the only thing that could possibly stop him is the one thing that we know that will stop him, which is like there's a piece of metal like pumping closer to his heart and stuff like that. And that ticking time bomb hasn't gone off yet. You know, it definitely has not been ticking very much either. But there's a rich benefactor and his weird uh, child android helping him. Yeah, Rolo Hardy, buddy. Um, But yeah, so I don't know. But that, but that's my fucks. What do you got now that you've heard mine? So you can adjust your choices, like like oh, I always do, to just ab- discover your mistakes. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, big ups, man. Top thrill is definitely Judge Dread. It nice. was. It's getting so in like I use the word intense, but it's just like dark, yeah. um, horrible. Uh, this city seems to constantly be like cancerously destroying itself. Mm-hmm. It it it's under attack constantly, um, and now especially by this thing that like yeah. man, these people didn't even choose to do it. Like Blockmania is already a thing they know about. How long has Blockmania just been people going nuts, yeah, just, or is that just regular block tests? wars basically, as opposed well, to or is it all full... just solve tests against like this drug they've been trying to make? Ooh. Like I'm, I don't know, and it's. It, what has happened over the last um, few episodes of like me reading this? Because I wasn't a big fan of uh, the crime cases or like the mm, of the mega rackets. Like, yeah, mega rackets. Like that was okay, but like as soon as this started up, I was like, "Oh, where is this going?" Because like, mm-hmm. okay, some crazy block stuff happened, but we've seen block stuff before, and then it just kept getting larger and larger yeah. and spreading. Reading. I'm just really into it, and all culminating to taking away one of like my favorite recurring characters. Mm-hmm. Please stop killing people I like and start killing people I don't like. I mean, Maria's not there anymore. You might as well just kill Walter. Please. Oh shit! 
So please, <laughs> like you made her disappear into the ether. Kids who liked Walter don't like him anymore. I guarantee it. And if they're asking for him, just please don't listen. Yeah, they're I, all they're all like four years older now. You know, they're too old, they're too cool for Walter. You know. Yeah. You know. They've at least moved on to Rojas and Hammerstein, if not to other things. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so what's your anyway. bottom thrill this month, Fox? Uh, future shocks. Like, nice. Uh, the only reason that I'm, that I'm disassociating from me and Arena is that I. So I. No, you're pulling this unreliable narrator thing that I like in theory. I yeah. just like am worried that that's a little nuanced for 2000 AD, 1981. You know. <laughs> if it if it doesn't stick that if it doesn't stick that landing where it's mm-hmm. like this guy was definitely the bad guy at the end. Um, I'm going to be disappointed because they're clearly able to do headier concepts with things like Judge Dredd and get away yeah, with it. I could see um, that. Future Shocks, the only reason that I'm really knocking them is, man, I like mine shorter and funnier or stupider, right? Like, really <laughs> to the point. Right. I think that when you stretch them out, like, uh, let like somebody a, do uh, their dark fantasy. Like, um, I actually wrote this down. Like, um, uh, Alan Moore, like, did mm-hmm. a really intense gluttony based one. Oh yeah, um, that uh, that uh, picture book one. Yeah, and like that's an great. episode or two ago. Like, that's that's actually like some interesting shit. Mm-hmm. Uh the the brain one was so many words. It's it was true. just so much. And I, I'm not into reading that much of a future shock for the joke <laughs> being like, oh, it's what you already knew and it's like uh, all right. Yeah. Just cut it in make three future shocks. That's okay. I'll yeah. read three. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my take. Nice. All right. Oh man. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Titch, or the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Cradeline.com. Feel free to contact us at Space Spinner 2000 at gmail.com or in the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter at Space Spinner 2K for everything else. Look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. And come back next time. <gasps> As we've once again reached the end of the year, and it's time for the 1981 year in review show, The Spinnies. <laughs> we're giving out tuxedos. Totally, yeah, break them out. Uh, we're giving out awards for top art, writing, and overall thrills, as well as best month and best uh, overall year, as well as we're just going to maybe do some fun extra stuff to wrap up these, the first five years of progs. You're that extra content, guys. Ooh. Maybe you should tell your weird friends about our cool show. Always. If your weird friends haven't heard about our show, then I think you got to <laughs> rethink your how if you're actually friends with them, with those weirdos. Uh, <laughs> if you're an actual 2080 creator uh, and listen for your name and claim a coveted golden frisbee, why not? Otherwise, tune in and see our if, if our picks are the same as yours. It'll be a ton of fun. And then stay tuned after words for great news for all listeners until next time i'm conrad he's fox and we are space spinner 2000 splendid for ho 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 oh